Isn't that a great yeah. intro? Thank you again to uh, Peter Love Romero it. and Phil Van Drunen. Yeah, it's it's just a fantastic intro. Um, we worked really hard on that, and uh, let me tell you, there's some really big, big news coming out of Marketing Tip Tea Time. We are actually going to be, for season five, which is next season, we're going to be moving Marketing Tip Tea Time to its own brand. So, woo, thank you everyone for, for supporting us. Just wanted to give that little nugget here um, before we dive into our guest today, which is our seventh guest of this season, season four, and that is Craig Atkins. But first, let me talk about our sponsors who make this entire program possible. First, I'd like to thank Whole Brain Consulting. Whole Brain Consulting is an outsourced operations consultancy that specializes in the consumer products industry, providing solutions catered to your needs. Go to wholebrainconsulting.com for more information. And I'd also like to thank Color World. Color World is your one-stop shop for everything anime. Go to colorworldlive.com for more information. And now I'm going to drum roll a little bit here. And if you notice, look at this. Our mic's not on the table anymore, so I can drum roll without it clipping the mic. Um, <laughs> Craig Atkins, I'm going to give you a little bit of information about him. Over the last 16 years, Craig has owned a small car lot, worked in sales for a franchise location, been a multi-unit finance manager, a finance director for a Toyota location, and a digital marketing director for three franchise locations in Fayetteville. Fayetteville, is that how you pronounce that? Yeah, Arkansas? Fayetteville? That's correct. Wow, mm, fantastic. Correct. Uh, currently, Craig has transitioned his career to a marketing agency where they offer full-service marketing to automotive dealerships. Please help me in welcoming Craig. Here he is. Woo! Hey, hey, everybody. How are y'all doing? Yes. I'm, I'm doing great. How are you doing? How, how's the weather where you're at? Where are you located? Uh, so right now I'm actually in Birmingham, Alabama. Okay. Uh, yep. Weather is fantastic right now. Uh, I'm glad I'm actually not flying home uh, tonight because I understand the weather is supposed to be pretty rough. In, in our yeah. area, so I'm glad I'm in Birmingham, but I'm actually at the agency today. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Yeah, it's snowing. Uh, well, it snowed last night here in Colorado, so yeah, the weather's getting wintry. Nope. Mm -mm. <laughs> mm -mm. <laughs> All right. I'm a well, no-go on that one. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. You know, I like snow for a little bit, and then after mm -hmm. about the first time I have to scrape my car, then I'm, <laughs> then I'm pretty much done with it. Done. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, thank you for being on the show. For anybody who's watching, uh, Craig was recommended by Ryan, who you all might have uh, you know, remembered, Ryan Green, um, who mm -hmm. is the marketing mm -hmm. director at the uh, Yoder family conglomerate of everything. Mm -hmm. So they have Weld County Garage, and mm -hmm. uh, he said, Craig, Craig's your man. And so here he is on the show today. Um, we're, just happy to, <laughs> we're just happy to have you. We're just happy to have you. Man, um, I'm, I'm, I, it's a pleasure to be here with you guys. Thank you, thank you. And for anybody watching, please wave, drop, drop a little, you know, wave emoji into the comments. Uh, or if you have any questions during the show, we'll try and get those in as time permits. But uh, first thing we're gonna do is we're actually gonna talk about the tea that Craig, that Craig mm -hmm, wanted. Mm -hmm. He said sweet tea. Mm -hmm. Do you have any any stories? By, and I'm gonna actually try it. Let's see if we can get the the snap of the yes. Of the uh, let's see here. I, I don't want to ruin any of our technology, but I also want to get this really crispy. Let's see if we can. Ooh. Oh yeah, there we go. We got a little click. Did we get it? Oh nice, nice, perfect. 
Um, do you have any stories behind Sweet Tea or the reason that you, uh, that you chose this? You know, um, I don't know that I really have any specific stories outside of that's, that's the way that I grew up. You know, I actually came from South Arkansas and it was not every meal, uh, but there was always sweet tea in the house and it didn't matter oh, what wow. family member or where we were at. That's just the way we grew up. You know, unsweet tea yep. was an option, not my option, but it was an option. <laughs> uh, and so <laughs> nothing specific, but, um, just, just sweet tea in general. Fantastic. Well, we uh, we shipped a, a box of I think twenty <laughs> pure leaf sweet teas to Craig because Amazon yeah. was not clear on what I was sending. And uh, so here we go. We're gonna try it. It's pure leaf sweet tea, real brewed mm -hmm. tea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, that's it's actually good. pretty good. That is really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you ever had this brand good. before? Good flavor. I have. Yeah. Yeah, that is good. That is a good tea. Wow. I don't know. We'll have to ask Brandon from Whole Brain, our sponsor, how they how they do this, how they brew it and bottle it, and he knows all about that. Um, yeah. But this is this is a great tea. This is a this is kind of a front porch, back porch sipping during the summer. Yes, it is. Some iced tea. Yeah, this is great. Yep. All out right. on the and lake. Uh, out by the pool. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And we don't have a tea cam today, but you get to watch us drink this tea. Um, you can get this at your local yeah. wherever because this is at 7-Eleven. This is at King Supers. This is all over the place. So go go get yourself a bottle. Um, we'll just dive into the questions though now, I guess. First thing we'll do is sort of a rapid fire, Craig. And I'll say this or that or your favorite whatever and just first thing that comes to your mind. Uh, just blurt it out. Favorite car brand. Let's go. Uh, Chevrolet or Ram? Okay. Mailers or emails? <laughs> Whoo, man, I've got to go with mailers all day long on that one. No, no, no email. No mailers. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Okay. TikTok or Vine? I, I've got to go with TikTok. I, I don't know. Uh, I, maybe I shouldn't say this. I don't. I don't know uh, a whole lot about Vine to be honest with you. I know a lot about TikTok. Yeah. So TikTok. Perfect. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, Elon has said that with uh, him taking over Twitter, the first thing he wants to do is relaunch Vine. So we'll see if that comes back. <laughs> Good old. We'll see Musk. what happens. You know, <laughs> yeah. Anything's possible. <laughs> yep. Anything is possible. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. All right. So you know, tell us a little bit about your journey getting into automotive marketing how did you get started how did you get to where you're at now what do, what does that look like so i think most of my journey really started whenever i was you know 16 17 18 um and even before that you know my family has always been into uh drag racing uh my, my dad and his brothers they were always into drag racing and so, you know, having that car in the garage or a specific brand was always important for some reason to us. Uh, as I grew up, you know, it was always, man, I want to have this car. I want to have that truck. And then probably in my uh, late teens, early 20s, um, you know, I had several vehicles, but it was always 
I just loved vehicles, right? I mean, yeah. from Corvettes to trucks to the Dodge Cummins or a Camaro. You know, the last what, mm. what was it, when did Camaro stop making in two thousand and one, and then they relaunched out again. Yeah. Um, and so I, ha- I had to have it, right? And I think what really got me started. Uh, hopefully, this number doesn't scare anybody, but I have probably owned and driven personally somewhere in the neighborhood of about seventy-five or eighty vehicles personally um that i've had in my possession i know so i've went through a few um (laughs) and so i actually started in the restaurant business after restaurant business you know i had kind of started dabbling into what you mentioned previously about a a small used car lot that i had and that was kind of my my switch of okay if i'm going to slow down spending money on buying cars and negative equity or whatever you know hey let's let's just start a car lot see how it goes right so it was definitely not what i expected um but but i enjoyed it you know because i got to to drive the different vehicles i got to be in around it you know and so i started my used car lot yeah uh, i was selling a few cars there in monticello arkansas uh after that i actually got out of the restaurant business and had already gotten out of the used car lot and so that's where i you know, was trying to find a new career path. And I started actually working for an automotive group there in Northwest Arkansas. Um, Started in a manager program and we uh, started in sales and moved my way up into finance. And that was actually for Mazda, uh, BMW, Mercedes, and Cadillac. Uh, Started doing finance for those guys for several years. Uh, From there I went on, that's where you, you also mentioned about being a um, market, uh, not a marketing director, but a finance director. So I went over to a, a good size Toyota store where that I was the, the finance director. And, you know, one thing just leads to the next, right? And it's just, then, then the, the path just starts to mold itself. And uh, yeah. I ended up at a, another group there in Northwest Arkansas and started to uh, do marketing and uh, actually did the marketing for a group there in Fayetteville for about seven years. And, um, opportunity kind of came up to be where I'm at now. And that's strong automotive here in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, and so I jumped on the position and, and that's where I'm at, you know? Uh, so it's just been one step after the next and here I am. That's great though. That it sounds like your passion for cars and just mm-hmm. all sorts of automobiles, trucks, Camaro, uh, just sort of sparked this interest. And you just ended up exactly where you were supposed to be, <laughs> sort of serendipitously. Right. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That that's pretty cool. And 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 speaking of all of you know all this journey of you know moving from from one car dealership or or even the restaurant industry into cars and and doing all of this. Essentially, it sounds like you were allowing yourself to really be with your passion and that. This helped you to also drive and own and experience more cars. Um, but I bet also you met a lot of amazing people along the way and maybe some mentors who helped get you to that next level. You mentioned that management program. Did you have any mentors that were just really, really good to you, really stuck out and, and got you pretty far? Do you have any stories about that? You know, to, to, you know, to pinpoint just one person – um, I don't know that I can just pinpoint one person, right? Um, I think that each place, you know, there were, there were several people, um, when I worked for the superior group, you know, one of my first, um, 
one of the first times in 2012 when I stepped into a, a dealership and, you know, Jim Teeter uh, was kind of a platform director there. And Jim was just, no, just major stories. He just saw that I was hungry. Uh, mm -hmm. Kind of crazy enough. The way I started was I actually drove from South Arkansas to Northwest Arkansas, drove five hours just for a job interview. And he, him and I sat down, we had an interview and then I sat down and immediately had, uh, I think another meeting that afternoon when they realized, wow, this, this guy drove five hours just for a job interview at a car dealership, basically starting in sales. That's unheard of, right? You just don't do that. Yeah. Who, who drives five hours for that? And, um, so he Not immediately me. got I'll on the you. phone with, you know, he, <laughs> Most people don't, you know, they're barely going to yeah. drive 30 minutes to go anywhere. And so right. he got on the phone with the owner of the group at the time. And he was like, man, th this guy, we, we could hire him. You know, I'm sure he's, he's got the credentials. That's not a problem, but he drove five hours. What are we supposed to do with this? And, and he actually told me <laughs> that story actually a couple years later. And, and, and the, the, his boss, the owner was like, you hire the guy right now. You don't wait. Uh, you know, if he's going <laughs> to wow. take that kind of drive, uh, yeah. and I stayed with uh, some of my kinfolk at the time, but you know, Jim was always there and he believed in me from the get go. He helped me. He mentored me. He actually saw in me uh, the ability, the talent. And, you know, maybe it wasn't just one specific thing that he had done, but it was just, uh, you know, it was a, a set of things that he had done, you know, and I will tell you one other piece as I was with the Lewis group for about seven years. And that's kind of what has really probably taken my career in automotive kind of to the next level was being with Lewis automotive group and something he shared with me when I started early on with him and I've taken it with me and I actually wrote it down, you know, as a pointer, um, he taught me early on when I was working with an employee that I was kind of overseeing and he said, Craig, in everything we do, we got to be proactive and not reactive. Mm. And he said, the more that you're proactive in yep. everything that you do, then, then reactive is less painful. You know, whenever you're reactive, it's more expensive, it's more painful. There's more problems. There's more issues. It's longer. It mm -hmm. takes, you know, and it, that's in everything. Just, just think about maintenance on a car, maintenance on a building. When we're proactive, we prevent more, uh, issues and headache down the road. And so yeah. in, in all my day to day from planning or strategy or, you know, from marketing, whatever it is, as long as we're proactive, um, it, it sets the stage to be more successful. Wow. So, so essentially you, you found some really great people and then, and then at Lewis automotive, they, they really taught you this proactive versus reactive, how to plan, how to look, kind of into your crystal ball, which people look, think at market uh, marketing and we can kind of predict things sometimes and they think, what the heck, how do you, how are you coming up with that? And they, they say the marketing crystal ball is what I've heard a lot, but it's really just informed decisions mm -hmm. and, and doing the research and, and looking at, mm -hmm. at what's actually happening. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's great. Uh, we have a question from Brandon Hernandez, uh, who uh, is the owner of whole brain and, um, is one of the sponsors of the show. He says, what's the major difference besides money in thinking about advertising for a used lot versus a new lot? Repeat that for me one more time. So what's the major difference or what's a major difference besides money in advertising for a used car lot versus a new car lot? 
So besides money, there, there's, there's a lot of difference. Um, you know, when you get into the used marketing side of things, uh, your competition is fierce because there is a used car lot. Your new car lots have used cars. You know, there could be, you know, a ton of, of used car lots that are out there, but everybody's advertising used, right? So that makes that a very competitive market. Now, when you're in the new side of things, uh, you know, yeah, there may be another Ford competitor. There, there might be another domestic brand that you might be competing against, but so your target with the new is just like a Ford versus a Ford. If that makes sense, Ford's not necessarily going to be going against Acura or Porsche or, you know, there's not a lot of cross marketing there, if that makes sense, you know, but yeah. whenever you're used, everybody has used, right? And so right. that really makes that strategy a lot tougher, especially whenever it is for an independent lot. Uh, they would have to dump a lot of money into other parts of the strategy. Right. So, so then is, you say that between brands, new br for the new side, there's not a lot of direct competition. So mm -hmm. would, would that sort of brand loyalty competition and market share competition be really happening at the national level where, where that is like Ford's national advertising versus um, GMC's national advertising? Like those are, those are the ones that are competing essentially for the lot then to gain that micro bit of market share or – you know, there, if you're in a local area, so if we look back at the Northwest Arkansas market where we were at, if if there are relative brands, so if you have two Ford brands, yes, there it's it, it can be a knockdown drag out, right? So they right. can go head to head, you know, with those brands. The biggest difference is you're not you're not going to have a lot of cross with um, a Ford versus you know, like I said, an Acura, right? right. So your biggest competition is either going to be Ford. Toyota, um, you know, Chevrolet, uh, there is a right. ton of competition. Obviously, when you get into tier one, uh, which is going to be your manufacturers, obviously there's a ton of competition, you know, and it depends on how far they get into your regions and into your markets. You take larger markets, you know, uh, heavy population. So you take Dallas or you take uh, your Denver areas, right? Those areas yeah. are going to be even more fierce for the manufacturer because there's more population, right? More opportunity. Right. Um, but okay that hopefully that gives you a little bit of that explanation yeah <laughs> yeah no it, it 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 really did um wow it, it's just so fascinating how how that whole how the regions and then your like sales mm -hmm. because i know that there are also like uh what would it be like a sales region like sometimes a, a dma yeah, yeah, things like that. It's really interesting how um, the different car manufacturers and car dealerships work within those DMA regions and within those uh, geographies mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and how internally they figure out, okay, this is the type of market share I want going into here and this is how we might be able to build that. So fascinating. It really <laughs> – it's really cool. It, is. it really is. Uh, There's a lot that goes into yeah. it, you know. And you'll hear a lot of dealers talk about, uh, you know, either pump in or, or pump out, you know, and that has to do with somebody outside of the DMA coming into your market. Uh, mm -hmm. And so do you really want that, right? Yeah, we do right. want that for a car sale, but we're not going to have them for service moving down the road. Uh, and so it's, 
it's justifying being able to get someone outside of your market to bring them in because your longevity of that client is really just really the purchase and that's where it stops. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. So, so within this competition, which is fierce sometimes, how, how do you market cars without on, on the dealership level without sounding super car salesy because there's a stigma that exists Right, and so how how do you do that? How do you entice people? How do you make the messaging so it's not you know the car salesman sort of spiel? Everything today goes back to the relationship that you build, mm. and when you begin to build that relationship, you you begin to build that connection. You know, social media has allowed us to start connecting with our. Uh, customer base in, in a whole new role. You know, um, you you advertise what you do, who you are. You know, what uh, who do you support in the community, right? So if you're if you're supporting a school or if you're supporting different, um, I'm trying to think of the, of the right word, but you know, different benefits that are inside of your community. You know, uh, yeah. if like. With the Lewis Automotive Group, you know, they were large into outdoors and biking and running. And so obviously some of our brands, some of who we who we connected with became uh, that same culture, right? So I think when, when you start to build relationships, period, then you don't have to come across as salesy, right? right. Uh, because then you can come across all of a sudden, now you're in their world, they're in your world, and next thing you know, you're talking about, everybody's world is you know, everybody most people need transportation of some sorts right right and so when you build that relationship then that's just uh, it just kind of becomes the the standard pattern and next thing you know you're talking about a car or you're talking about what's available or uh, it just kind of segues itself and instead of being so blunt of hitting somebody in the face with that radio talk of you know, buying a car for 3.9, 60 months, you know, they get all fast and tell you yeah. all the disclaimers. And that's what is synonymous with a car dealer. And I, I think it's uh, being a little bit more laid back and building a relationship. Um, and it takes you a long ways. Yeah. No, that's great. And so when you're building out these relationships, when you, you mentioned social media is a great platform um, for, for trying to build relationships, how are you using uh, data, either first party or third party, to then build out some of these relationships and help you to to segment and 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 know which strategies and tactics you should be using um, just to to build the relationship and to make decisions marketing wise. Data is a conversation that either somebody wants to have or they really don't want to have it at all. Yeah. Um, is what you find out. Um, some people, uh, some dealerships, some some clients, they they want to know all the data. Let's dig into the deep side of this. And there are some that are like, okay, tell me some of the you know the very high end metrics and let's move on. Um, mm. But data can be used in in such good ways so that you can see, um, you know, where the traffic's coming from. What kind of conversions are we getting? What can we actually quantify and what's important to you, um, you know, to a dealer? Uh, when you start to actually know what's important to a dealer, 
whether it's sales or whether it's service or what they're really looking for, then you can look back into the data and know, do we need to drive more traffic here? Do we have enough impressions? Are we, are we getting the conversions? Do we have the right message out there? You know, so data can be used in so many ways, but also data can work, work against you. And, and what I mean by that is when you let data just consume you, then you may make just, you have to let your gut, let's just go with that. You have to, maybe that's not the right word and breaking it down real simple is, is your gut. You know, you hire people who know cars, know the market. When they know that world, they can use their gut and know whether something's right or wrong. So I think when you take all of the data factors that you can get to know what platforms, you know, what cultures, what diversities are we in? Where do we need to market? You know, my brand is a Nissan brand. You know, what what cultures or what diversities, you hate to even say that, but what cultures, diversities are driving that car or budget, right? Uh, what budget right. realm can we put these Nissans in and make sure that we're marketing to the right households that can afford our car? And that actually want our product, right? And it fits their needs. Yeah. Um, but biggest thing of data is you can overplay data. Um, you, you can overplay it. And I think you have to be able to trust your gut. And so, so I would say to anybody who's looking at data, it's great. A lot of numbers. And, and <laughs> it can tell you a lot. But I think you have to trust your gut at the end of the day. I like that a lot. I like that a lot, the ability to trust your gut. And I feel like some people – they're they're not so tuned into their gut, I guess is maybe a way to put it, and so they over rely on data to try and justify mm-hmm. every single decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing I had a I had a a research professor who once said that there's uh, what was it that basically you can take math, you can take data, you can take st- statistics, and you can sort of do whatever you want with it. If you really, if you really want, so he said, "There's, there's lies, there's damn lies, and then there's statistics," <laughs> is, is what he said. And so, you know, I, I think that 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 having that aspect of trusting your people and relying on relationships and trusting their mm-hmm. gut and trusting your mm-hmm. gut is is important as well. But you know, along the lines of data, Brandon Hernandez also asks, "What kind of um, ROI should a dealership expect?" Like, if, you know, to be a good dealership, what's what's sort of the ROI that's a that's a good area to land in? That is a very tough question. Um, and and the reason why I don't know that I can – I don't know that I can quantify that for you, right? So what I can tell you – so let, let's break that apart a little bit because that's, that's huge, right? Because if you take, uh, say, one vendor that you're using – uh, and let's say vendors do get you leads. Well, you typically want either a four to five uh, return on those on that spend, right? You want to see four to five times that spend come back to you typically. Okay. Uh, at minimum. Um, but an overall, you know, it depends on uh, depends on your area. You know, it depends on are you a new store? Have you been there for a long time? Uh, it depends on your market share. It depends if you're if you're you're coming into a store and let's say a dealer comes in and buys a store and it's got a terrible reputation. Well, you you're going to spend a lot of money to correct all of that, right? right. Uh, and so saying what can my ROI be? You know, there there's a lot of questions there, and you break that down from 
wow, okay, so how much is the manufacturer paying for, right? And so do I include that or do I not include what the manufacturer helps to pay for from a co-op standpoint? Um, right. So we've had those discussions in, in Internet 20 groups all day long. And, you know, I'm going to say just breaking it down, I think that from a marketing standpoint, uh, a lot of dealers are probably spending roughly 20%. You know, they're putting back uh, into marketing on average. Um, and, and some some don't have to spend very much because it's such a natural area, right? And if your natural area has, is having the growth, then you don't have to spend as much. However, right. you may live in, you know, in, in you know, way out in the country somewhere and there's no immediate uh you could live out in the middle of cornfields and in the middle of illinois for all we know and you know no no one's in, in a 45 minute driving so you're gonna have to really pull pretty hard so uh right. you can either stick with the population that's around you or you've got to reach out there is not a single person who can tell you this is what your budget return should be at i think that is uh, that is going to be per each location and each dealer specifically. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And, um, you know, we're going to start wrapping up the show here because we're right at 30 minutes, but I've got one last question for you. And that yeah. is, what is the next big thing in automotive marketing? What's, what should everybody be excited about? <laughs> changes <laughs> and more changes. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. I think that the I think that the biggest thing in marketing or what we're seeing right now is you take uh, GA4 has been a huge discussion across the board, and that's Google Analytics. You know, Google mm -hmm. is going away from GA3; they're going to GA4. I think it's going to be everything in marketing is going to go how we view the results, right? And you look at how GA4 is changing that. That that's as right. huge. Uh, Facebook is constantly making changes every day that oh, we get in there to do. Oh, it, it's nonstop, yeah. right? But it I'm not is. I'm not seeing anything overly huge. What I'm seeing is there there are constant changes, and I think everybody's chiseling away right now. And right. and as GA4 starts, I think it's how we view that consumer with like online shopping, online retailing yeah. is the customer engagement. I think the biggest word that I've heard. Uh, is is customer engagement? That's the phrase that I right. keep hearing. Is customer engagement? How do we view that? How do we handle that? Uh, and that really is it's it's not how long they're on the website any longer. It's are they right. engaging with your website? And do you? I mean, do you use the Google vehicle ads at all, or have you? Because that's sort of a new developing development. It is. V Google, v yeah. VLAs are VLAs are pretty strong. They're going to make a big run, I think, with third-party vendors like AutotraderCars.com. Uh, yeah. I think it's going to be an asset for dealers. Uh, I will tell you the biggest thing that I have seen dealing with clients in the last 30 days uh, is the results from PMAX. I'm sure everybody has been uh, – it's, it's one of the biggest returns uh, is PMAX campaigns coming from Google. Um, wow. I think even compared to, to VAs, I think that's that's even a larger portion that a lot of guys aren't even they're really? not even playing in that field yet. Wow, yeah, no. Mm -hmm. For sure. That's that is some uh great advice and great stories from from you, Craig. We really appreciate you being on the show again and we're we're right at the little past thirty minutes, so we're gonna go ahead and wrap up here. Is there is there any last bit of advice you want? To tell anyone, if not, that's fine. You don't have to. Um, but we always ask at the end here. 
<laughs> I don't think I have any advice. I think that uh, automotive world <laughs> culture, whether it's marketing or sales, is, is fantastic. And once you get yeah. into it, either you know people either love it or they hate it. You know, uh, but I <laughs> right, think it's right, just a right. necessary. It's a necessary evil for us. So, no real advice except for just give it a try. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Craig. We, again, we we really appreciate you coming on the show, and thank you to Ryan Green who uh, gave us the shout to reach out to Craig. And thank you to all of our sponsors and everybody who helps put this show on, including Bike Shop Agency, our producers, and Josh French upstairs, Peter Romero, Phil, Phil Van Drunen, Alyssa Youngval, Sheridan Youngval. Uh, everyone, thank you so much. Again, great, 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 great headway that we're, you know, we're, we're really, next season is going to be mind-blowing, hopefully. And so we're really going to be working on, uh, on season five. And please, please like, subscribe, share. If this, if this episode spoke to you at all, or if you have further questions that you want to ask, please email us, like, share, tell all of your friends. If you have any friends that are in the automotive world, they can probably get something out of this show for sure. So... Please, everyone, have a great rest of your weekend. I guess today's Friday. Our show's always on Friday. And until next time, which is in two weeks, Nasravi. Cheers. Thank you, Craig. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, guys. All right.